Welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast, where we're here to help you land your dream job. So if at any time during this episode you find any value, please make sure you take a screenshot and you share it with a friend. And don't forget, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. That will mean the world. So without further ado, enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Mastering College to Career Podcast. You are going to love the interview that you're about to hear. So you're going to hear the interview that I recorded with Nir Eyal, and he is a best-selling Wall Street Journal best-selling author. He wrote a book called Hooked that was all about how you build products that are addictive like Facebook and Instagram and everything else is addictive. And then he realized that he was just getting really distracted by all this product so then he wrote a book now called Indistractable that is all about how you stop being distracted so that you can focus on what really matters and you can be more effective. And if you know me, I'm all about time management and being productive. So I read his book and I have changed the way that I run my day because of his book. And so I was super excited to have him on the show so that we can go and discuss how this book applies to college students. And I know that you guys face a lot of distractions, whether it's getting distracted while you're studying, uh, whether it's all of the social media that we are involved in, whether you're part of a group chat. Um, We're going to talk about all the ways that you can become indistractable in this episode. So enjoy this episode with Nir Eyal. Welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, today I have an amazing episode for you. I have a best-selling author that has just released an incredible book that I just finished reading. I'm so excited to talk about it. I have Mr. Neil Eyal. Did I say it right? I didn't want to mess it up. Close enough. Try, try one more time. Near Eyal. <laughs> Near Eyal. Man, I am yeah. so sorry. I even asked you right before we got this, but... Um, and I am horrible, but I need to get better on that. No Anyways, problem. near I am, is like near and far, and al is uh, should be spelled a y a l. Yeah, well, near. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I am so excited um, to have you and to talk about this because one of the the most every time I'm talking to college students, they think and they tell me that they are so busy and that they don't have enough time. And they can't, and then at the same time, they feel like they can't get things accomplished. And I think a lot of that could be solved by them reading this book. So I'm just so excited to give them this resource. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I think this, that when I wrote Indistractable, I was definitely thinking about the, uh, the, the, the people who are in school still and uh, transitioning out of school because it's really tough out there, right? I mean, there's so many potential distractions. If you are looking for distraction, it is easier than ever to find. So it's, and it's a critical life skill to know how to allocate your time and attention. I love it. So I am excited because I've heard a couple of the podcasts that you've been on multiple podcasts and especially, you know, with the book just being launched, but I wanted to make this podcast more about how it relates to college students and how some of the the things that college students face and how they're distracted. And a lot of it is the same thing that we all face, right? Social media, emails, um, just, just distractions. I see so many students studying in the middle of their college and then their friends coming every 10 seconds. And then they wonder why um, they, they're, they're having trouble memorizing the material. But yeah. so before we get started, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your first book and what got you writing the second book? Sure. Yeah. So uh, my first, so let's see. So I 
went to college at Emory uh, in Atlanta and then started a, my first job out of college was at BCG, the Boston Consulting Group, and uh, spent a couple of years there, then started a solar energy business and then sold that a few years later, went to business school, started another company, sold that company a few years later, then decided to write my first book, Hooked, which is all about how to build habit-forming products. It's about how to use the psychology behind products like Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp and Slack for good, how we can use that stuff to help people form healthy habits in their lives. And then uh, about five years ago, I noticed that I was getting distracted by many technology products out there, not the same companies I'd worked with. I worked with companies that help people build exercise habits and money-saving habits, all kinds of good habits. But the fact is that many of the products out there uh, lead to sometimes not so good habits, like you know using social media too much, like uh, checking email too much, or YouTube or Reddit or whatever the case might be. And so I really wanted to get down to the bottom of distraction. Why do we get distracted? It's such a interesting question to me because you know it's not a new problem that in fact socrates and plato talked about this 2500 years ago they called it akrasia the tendency that we have to do things against our better interests so distraction is nothing new right people were talking about how 2500 years ago how distracting the world was so don't let anybody tell you that it's only technology's fault that is not true if you don't get to the root cause of why we get distracted, you'll always find something to get distracted by. And so that's really what, what I wanted to get to the bottom of is the, answering this really interesting question of if we know what to do, why don't we do it, right? If we know we got to study for that big test, if we know we got to hit the gym, if we know we got to do whatever it is we say we're going to do, why don't we just do it? <laughs> and it turns out that distraction is really what's in our way, that you can know what to do, right? Who doesn't know that you know, to get in shape, you got to exercise and eat right. We all know that, right? We know. If you want to do very well in your school studies, you got to study. You got to put in the work. We all know that. Uh, why don't we do what we know we should? And so that's really what becoming indistractable is all about. It's about living with personal integrity. You know, one of the things you would never want someone to call you is a liar, right? That really hurts. You would never want to lie to your friends, to your family. Uh, you, you know, you never want to be dishonest with people. And yet we're dishonest with ourselves all the time. So the, the goal of becoming indistractable is to be the kind of person who strives to do what they say they're going to do, to live with personal integrity. That's what being indistractable is all about. And I love it. And one of the things that really clicked when you were talking about it in the book is that we don't miss doctor's appointments and we don't miss appointments with other people. Yet when we write something, and I'm the first one like to acknowledge, like I would write something and say, I am going to go work out at 6 a.m. Yet right. I... I find a million excuses to lie to myself and not keep an appointment to myself. So why do you think, you know, that is the case? Why are we so easy to miss our own appointments yet show up for other people's appointments? Yeah, it's because we don't realize why we get distracted in the first place. So let, let's start by what we mean by this word distraction, right? So uh, in order to understand what distraction is, we have to understand what it is not. So the opposite of distraction is not focus. The opposite of distraction is traction. They both come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull. And if you look at the words, they both end in the same six letters, action, A-C-T-I-O-N. So traction is any action that pulls you towards what you want to do. Now, if what you want to do is watch a football game on TV or scroll social media or watch YouTube videos or whatever, hang out on Reddit, it doesn't matter to me. That's great. As long as you do it with intent on your schedule as opposed to somebody else's schedule. Now, the opposite of traction is distraction, okay? Anything that pulls you away from what you plan to do. So if you planned to go work out in the morning and instead you slept in, 
Well, now that's a distraction, right? Because you plan to do one thing and you did something else. So the goal of becoming indistractable is to find ways to strive to do what we say we're going to do so that we have more traction in our life as opposed to distraction. Now, to answer your question of why does this happen, we have to dive deeper, okay? Why do we get distracted? In order to answer that question, we have to understand why do we do anything and everything. And most people, if you ask them, what's the nature of human motivation? Why do we do what we do? Most people will give you some version of carrots and sticks. This is called Freud's pleasure principle. You remember from your psych 101 class that everything that you do is about the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of pain. But it turns out neurologically, that is not true. That it's not about pain and pleasure. In fact, it's only pain. Everything you do, everything you do, you do for one reason. And that reason is to escape discomfort, even the desire to feel good, right? Wanting, craving, desire. There's a reason we say love hurts because wanting something is in fact psychologically destabilizing. And so we know this to be do, true physiologically, right? If you, uh, if you go outside and it's cold, that doesn't feel good, you put on a jacket. If you walk back inside and you're hot, that doesn't feel good, so you take your jacket off. If you feel hunger pangs, you eat, and when you're stuffed, oh, that doesn't feel good, you stop eating. And so those are physiological sensations, right? And we, that's clearly what drives us to do things. Now, the same thing holds true for psychological sensations. So when we're feeling lonely, check Facebook. When you're feeling uncertain, you Google. When you feel bored, Reddit, stock prices, sports scores, uh, Pinterest, all of these products and services cater to these uncomfortable sensations. So what this means is fundamentally, if all behavior is spurred by a desire to escape discomfort, that means that time management is pain management. So you can use all the, the life hacks in the world and do everything the gurus tell you. But fundamentally, if you don't understand that the reason you do or do not do something is to escape a uncomf an uncomfortable sensation, you are always going to be distracted by something. And so to answer your question, Daniel, why don't you go to the gym even though you say you will? It's because not going to the gym for you is painful right? So sorry, going to the gym is painful and not going is less painful than going. And so that's where we have to start. This, if, if it's about dealing with procrastination, if it's dealing with why don't we do the things we say we're going to do, if it's why do we check our cell phone when we're around our friends, why do we you know, not do that assignment when we say we will, it's all about emotion regulation. It's like watching a baby. You know how babies reach for their thumbs because they want to feel something better? That's why we reach for our cell phones. That's why we reach for distraction. That's why we sleep in as opposed to going to the gym. It's an emotion regulation problem. But the good news is that we can fix the source of that problem. But that's just step one. Step two is to make time for traction. So if you actually had the gym on your schedule, that's an important step. Most people don't do that. They say, oh yeah, I'll just go to the gym sometime today or yeah, I'll just study sometime today. It'll just happen. Fact is it won't just happen. You have to plan your day. The third step is to hack back the external triggers, all the pings, the dings, the rings, the other people as well that can prompt you towards distraction. And then the fourth step is to prevent distraction with pacts. So to make some kind of contract with yourself or with other people that make sure you do what you say you're going to do. So it's just those four steps, pretty easy to implement, lifetime to master. But the nice thing is you don't have to do everything all at once. You can start using tactics from this book uh, one at a time as they suit you and become more and more indistractable as you use these tactics in your life. 
So like I was telling you, I read your book. I actually have it with me. Even though you, you sent me the, the, the virtual copy, I like to have the feeling of the book in hand. And so I was reading your book uh, this for the past week and I was traveling and stuff. So I'm going to tell you so far what I've executed, what I've done and how it's made me feel. Let's Number it, one thing I did. Um, so I had already uh, eliminated the, ma the majority of all the notifications on my phone already. I had already, the only thing that I didn't eliminate was bef before I read this book was email. Um, so now I started using the, 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 while driving, like I'm driving as a non-distraction. Nice. So I don't know do if you can see that here. Awesome. So I have the do not disturb. I customized the message. So if you're texting me, it tells them that I'm indistractable. Like I'll reach it. out to you later. So yes, that's worked well. Yeah. So everybody should know about this, right? So if you have an iPhone, there's actually something very similar. If you have an Android phone, this is this great feature that way too few people use. And the way you use it, you just, it's called do not disturb while driving. You push one button. And if anyone sends you a text message or calls you, they'll get an auto reply that says, I can't talk right now. I'm driving. But what Daniel's done, what I've done is to customize that message that says I'm indistractable at the moment. If this is urgent, text me with the word urgent. It's almost never urgent, right? but people know if it's really an emergency, okay, you can reach out to me. You can contact me. But this gives you the peace of mind of knowing that you can do focus work. You can have this interview. You can have dinner with your date. You can do, you know, study for an hour or two. And if it's really urgent, someone can contact you. But if it's not urgent, it can wait till you're done. Yeah, that's, that's been great. So that's been, I've been using it for about four days already. And it allows me to continue and carry on because I, I, don't, I don't remember what study or what article I read that every time when you get distracted, it takes you at least five minutes to then back to like total 20 concentration. Yeah, so I, yeah, so that's crazy, crazy, crazy. The yeah. second thing that I hacked was the notifications on my, on my computer. So nice. I have it from like 11.59 PM to, to yes. yes. So that yes. now for every, except for one minute in the middle of the night, my yeah. computer gets notifications. Totally. This is another way to hack back the external triggers that don't serve you. And the idea here, you know, I'm not anti-tech. I love tech, right? Tech is wonderful. The idea is, though, that we can hack back tech, right? So clearly, tech is made to hack your attention. We want it to hack our attention. We want it to be engaging. Do we want Netflix to stop making programs that aren't interesting? Do we want the iPhone to not be user-friendly? Of course not. We want these things to be fun to use. The problem is that sometimes we can overuse them. So the solution is to hack back, and that's exactly what you've done. Who says you can't change your notification settings? Of course you can, and there's nothing that Zuckerberg can do about it. So like <laughs> right. what you've done, what I've done, I hate these stupid notifications on my desktop all the time. Well, you can turn those off, <laughs> right? So you set what's called a 24-hour do not disturb on your computer so that you're not constantly bombarded with all these pings and dings that have been shown to destroy your concentration. That, that one has been great on my computer because I used to get, I have like five calendars, like for my personal life, for my yeah. business. I have a, a shared calendar for, like with my wife, like, and I would get notifications when it was a U.S. holiday. I would get five notifications on U.S. holidays. Um, yeah. And I would get reminders. <laughs> I, I, it was so it was crazy. And, I, and then another thing I did is I took, my, I took myself out of some group chats that I just was not part of, like. Yeah. It was all about things that I, it was mostly talking about college sports and I just don't have much to say about it except when UCF plays and now yeah. they lost two times. So I don't even have anything <laughs> to say. So I just took myself out of them. Yeah. Um, 
And by the way, even if you, if you love those groups, by the way, there's nothing wrong with participating in these group chats, but who says you have to be at their beck and call all day long, right? Just because you get a ping or a ding doesn't mean you have to respond to all of a sudden. So what I recommend is use these things, but turn off the notifications and then set a time in your calendar to use them. So in my calendar, it says time for social media. So that's when I look at WhatsApp. That's when I look at Instagram. That's when I look at Facebook. And I love it. They're great. They keep me in touch with my friends. But I don't want to use them on somebody else's schedule. I want to use them on my schedule. I love it. Like all this has been great so far. Um, another thing that I thought it was really funny um, because me and you have e been emailing back and forth to schedule this is the way that you use email. Yeah. Right. And so I was actually I, I was laughing with my wife because I remember getting in. I sent you an email like on Wednesday. And I didn't hear back from you on until Monday. And then I read your book in which you say that you replied <laughs> to emails on Monday. And I go like, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, my email was not urgent. So like yeah. it was our, we had our podcast scheduled for like three weeks in, in advance. Not urgent. And so I thought it was really funny. <laughs> no. Yeah. I thought it was funny. I thought it was great. So I kind of, um, I still have folders. I know that you talked about how most emails are like the search functionality is great. Yeah. But now I have, today and week nice. and so now when i get emails and i check emails three times a day in the like 8 a.m when i start working in the middle of the day right after lunch and then right before i just stop working so i work at home this is my nice. home office yeah let me um, just explain it to catch everybody up on, on yeah yeah, yeah please so the way this technique works is that you know the part of the problem with email in fact where we spend the most wasted time on email is not the checking it's not the replying it's the rechecking. And so the problem, this is how rechecking works, is you see an email, you open it, you say, oh, no, no, I don't need to reply right now. You close it, you open, read the next one, you read the next one, and then a few minutes pass by, and you're like, wait, what did that email say again? Let me open it again, and open it again, and open it again. That's where you, you waste time on email. So the idea here is that every email you receive, you only touch twice. The first time you open it, you decide what needs to be done with it in, in a few categories. If it's something you don't need to reply to ever, you just delete it, okay? If it's something that's like hair on fire, must be responded to right now, just go ahead and reply. That's like 1% of your emails. Most emails, 99% of your emails, are going to fit into two categories. Either they are something that can be replied to today, meaning it's rather urgent, you have to get back to that person today, or something that can be replied to sometime this week. Then what you wanna do, you wanna have time in your calendar for email. So every day I have time in my, in my calendar for only replying to urgent messages, only the ones that I have labeled as today. The ones that are not labeled as today, the ones that I can reply to this week, I have time in my calendar on Mondays, a four hour time block, where I go through all those messages that could wait a little while, right? So like Daniel's email. What we do, unfortunately, when we keep one big inbox, we reply to messages as we get them, but they're not prioritized based on when they need to reply. And so here's why this saves you so much time. One, you have fewer emails to process per day. And of course, the rule to getting less email is sending less email, right, in a 24-hour period. So you're gonna send fewer emails that day because you're only replying to the ones that are actually urgent. And what you oftentimes find is that those emails that you put in the this week category, many of them just become unimportant. They don't even need a reply after a few days because people figure out their own issues, the issue is no longer important. It's been crushed under the weight of some other thing that's more important. Some detail has changed. So sometimes giving things a little time to marinate, uh, like these emails, can save you a ton of time by just marking them as emails that need to reply to today versus those that need to reply to this week. 
and then time boxing that time on your calendar to reply to the urgent ones every day and only the ones that can wait a little time. You have some extra time built into your week for that. I'm telling you, everything that I've executed so far has been great. So I want to talk a little bit about time boxing because yeah. we've, we've, you've mentioned it multiple times, but most college students maybe don't utilize that strategy. So I'll tell you for the past almost three years now, I've used this thing called uh, the full focus planner by Michael Hyatt. Um, and pretty much has gotten me to like 80% of where I needed to be when it comes to being indistractable. Your book kind of like took me to the, to the last 20% that I was missing because Michael Hyatt does a really good job at letting you uh, time block your schedule yeah. and then allow, allow you to prioritize the three things that you need to accomplish this day that's going to allow you to reach your long-term weekly goals, your weekly goals add up to your monthly and quarterly goals, yearly goals, and so on. And so I, th I think about how does this relate to college students a lot? And I encourage students a lot to plan their day and to use, use a calendar and not just fly with, with no strategy at all. So right. talk a little bit about what time blocking is. The I mean, you've, you already talked about some of the important things, but maybe dive into that a little bit. Yeah, here's the thing. You can't ca complain about distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. So if your calendar has lots of white space in it, right, then I don't want to hear it <laughs> because, you know, we spend so much money and time worrying about our stuff, right? We have locks on our doors. We put our, our, um, our money in banks. We use safes. We use storage containers to keep our stuff safe. But our time, oh, come on over. Take my time. I wasn't doing anything with it. And so that's ridiculous, right? Of course, if you don't plan your day, somebody's going to plan it for you. Duh. So that means it's no longer a luxury to keep a calendar, okay? You, if you care about distraction, by the way, if you don't give a shit about distraction, then this is the wrong podcast for you, <laughs> right? But if you realize that the only way you can accomplish what you want to accomplish in life is to do the things that you need to do, right? That's the only way to succeed in life is to do the right things. Who wouldn't agree with that? Well, the only way you can do that is to conquer distraction so that you don't get sidelined into doing stuff you know you shouldn't be doing. Well, the only way to do that is to plan your day. And so for college students, this is actually easier than for most people. Most people, they wake up every day, they have no idea what they're going to do every day. Two thirds of, of Americans don't keep any sort of a schedule. Ridiculous. You, however, as a college student, you have at least some pillars in your day. You got your classes, right? So, you know, you show up to those classes because you know it's important. If you don't show up, you won't learn and you're, you're not going to do well on the test, right? You're not going to learn what you need to learn. So you got to do this for the rest of your day as well. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be productive all day. It doesn't mean you have to do homework all day. No, what I'm saying is if there are things that are important to you in your life, your values, what I ask you to do is to turn your values into time. If your body is important to you, if that's something you're value, you value, and I'm not saying it should be, your values need to be your values. Nobody can tell you what your values are. But if you value your physical health, is there time in your day to exercise? Is there time in your day to prepare for bed so that you can get adequate sleep? Is there time, if you value your friends, do you have time in your day to hang out with your friends? If you like video games and you wanna play video games, schedule that time as well. Because if you don't schedule your time, you're gonna be doing these things whenever it comes up. And the fact is, it will always come at the cost of something else. So what I advise everyone to do, especially college students, 
I have this free schedule maker tool. I'll give you the link for the show notes. It's similar to what you have there in the planner. There's lots of different ways that you can do this. I just want to make something very simple, free that anyone can use. So I actually built this tool myself, this online tool where you you can make a, a schedule maker or you, you can make your schedule online, print it out. And what I want you to do is to just carry this with you throughout your day. And you can put your classes on there. You can put meals. You can put all the stuff that you need to do in your day. But I also want to make sure that you're living out your values so that you have time for exercise, time for adequate sleep, time to be with your friends, time to play video games if that's what you like to do. Whatever it is you want to do, I want to see that on your calendar because that's how we turn distraction into traction. Anything that you plan to do that's in accordance with your values is traction, right? Go for it. Do those fun things. You want to go to the basketball game? You want to go hang out with your friends? Do it. But make time for it so that you can see it on your schedule for your weekly plan and then say, okay, what does this come at the cost of? If I spend a lot of time studying, that means I won't get time with my friends, right? That comes at a cost. There's a price to that. So by looking at your week, you can plan out that week and make sure that you can, you can live according to your values. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway there is, is if, even if you plan time to play video games or to go tailgating, if, if you plan to do that, then it's not time wasted. Right, and the time you plan to waste is not wasted time. Yeah, and I think that when, when, when I talk to students about this, they might get scared. They might be like, well, I don't want to plan everything. everything it's not about being productive 100% of your time. Right, it's, right. So if I you agree. want to plan time to play a musical instrument, to putz around on Facebook, to tailgate, do it. I want you to do it. That's part of the college experience. But don't do it based on somebody else's schedule. Don't do it because you know, your phone rings. Therefore, you're going to pick it up in the middle of when you're supposed to be studying. I mean, even look, even social time, okay? If you're going to hang out with your friends, hang out with your friends. Don't be one of these jerks that's on their device. They're hanging out with their friends while they're on Facebook at the same time. I freaking hate those people. If you're going to be present with people, be fully present. Enjoy their company. Don't try and do a million things at one time. And the way you do that is you plan ahead. I love it. A couple of things that I want to make sure we talk about. Um, some tips on group, uh, group chats because students nowadays, especially if they're involved in student organizations, and they're in group projects, they're in GroupMe, right? So there's this app right. called GroupMe. I'm yeah, sure you're yeah. aware with it. And so they're in probably like 30 different GroupMe's and they're all going on and on. How do they you know, manage uh, group chats in GroupMe's or even WhatsApp, all those different types of group chats that are available now? Yeah. And the second time I want to uh, make sure that we, we cover when we, before we run out of time is to talk about study time. How do students position themselves to have the most effective study time possible? Yeah. So how to study effectively is, is a subject for another book. There's a lot of great books on that. But here's the thing. The answer to both your questions is planning ahead. So if there's one motto I want people to remember from my book and from this interview is that the antidote to impulsiveness is forethought. Okay. There is nothing, there's no temptation you can't overcome if you plan ahead. I hate willpower. I hate self-control. I hate self-discipline. That stuff doesn't work. The reason it doesn't work, think about it. If you're on a diet and you got the chocolate cake on its fork, on the fork, on its way to your mouth, you're going to eat it. If the cigarette is lit and you're about to take a puff, you're going to smoke it. If your cell phone is next to your bed every day, it's the first thing you're going to reach for in the morning. So you have to plan ahead. If you don't plan ahead, these companies, these products are going to get you right? Whether it's these technologies, whether it's your friends, whether it's something, the news, something is going to take up that time unless you plan ahead. 
So for example, with group chat, group chat's a wonderful tool, but the rule for group chat is to think of group chat like a hot tub. Okay, this comes from Jason Fried. He, he says this, you don't go into a hot tub and sit in a hot tub all day long right? You get pruney and disgusting. Eventually you'll boil to death, right? You go into a hot tub for a little bit and then you get out and you do something else. And so this is the mistake with group chat. People are in it all day long. Stupid. Instead, plan time to be in group chat. Have time on your schedule to say, okay, this is my class time. This is my study time. This is my lunch time. This is my group chat time. And let people know, look, I can't be in here all day, but I will be in here every day from four to four thirty that's when I'll catch up on whatever's been going on. I love it. This has been great. Nir, any final pieces of advice that you want to give to the college student audience listening to this book? Where can they find the book and where they can connect with you? Yeah, so here's the most important message. The most important message is that you are more powerful than you think. There is a narrative out there these days that technology is addicting your brain and it's hijacking your brain and it's manipulative. It's doing this, it's doing that. I think it's a load of rubbish. And in fact, when people believe this crap, they become less likely to do something about it. It's called learned helplessness. So when we believe we are powerless, that is how we behave. And so don't believe that rubbish, that we can use technology to get the best out of these tools without letting them get the best of us. So the only time that you are powerless is when you think you are powerless. So that's, that's the most important message, that we all can become indistractable. And uh, you can learn more about my work at nearandfar.com. Near is spelled like my first name, so near, N-I-R, and far.com. And if you go to indistractable.com, there are all kinds of free resources. There's an 80-page workbook. There is a list of tools that I use. Uh, there's also a free video course, all at indistractable.com. That's I-N, the word distract, A-B-L-E.com, indistractable.com. I will make sure to put all those links on the show notes, so if you guys are very interested about it, and if... I would highly encourage you to go to amazon.com and buy the book. It is going to be a great investment for you. You will learn so much from it. And Nir, thank you so much, my friend. This has been great. Uh, I enjoyed your book. Um, I'm telling you, I will be giving you a five-star review on Amazon after we get off this call. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you're listening to me right now, you, my friend, have made it to the end of the podcast. I want to take some time to thank you and congratulate you for being different and taking control of your career, doing things like listening to this podcast, putting yourself out there and building the experience needed to land your dream job is what's going to set you apart and not be just another statistic. So great job. Keep it up. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. Talk to you soon.